Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking to first team fitness coach at Leeds United Football Club, Benoit Delaval. Leeds United Football Club's first season back in the Premier League has taken the football world by storm. Their intensity, their quality, their the volume of work that these guys get through is absolutely incredible, which is why I'm so delighted to get Benoit de Lavelle, who is their first team fitness coach, on this episode today. So Marcelo Bielsa comes with a certain amount of mystique around his philosophies and what he does, partly because he doesn't do his interviews in English yet, which maybe makes us feel as if we don't quite know him. But Benoit gives such an in-depth view on their principles, why they do certain things, murder ball, which is something that often gets talked about a lot, and Benoit gives a really interesting reaction to the term murder ball and a, and a, and a, and a, a good insight into what that actually is. But we also dive into pre-season planning, how Benoit and the, the coaching staff keep these players fit with with a tight squad, with a, with a small number of players, but also how they dealt with COVID, how they integrate strength training, the coaching staff's philosophy on strength training. So there's lots that we get into, into this episode. But like I said at the start, given the fact that Leeds United have taken the Premier League by storm, it's an absolute pleasure to get Benoit on this episode. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Hawking Dynamics, the world's first wireless force plate testing system. So the Hawking Dynamics system is built around what coaches want so they can test in the real world and not just in the lab. So you're able to capture reliable data on all athletes in a matter of minutes and monitor progress from their cloud-based system from anywhere in the world. So as I've mentioned, the Hawking Dynamics force plates are wireless, which means they're portable, and they're also trusted by teams at a number of different levels in a number of different sports. So integrating force plates into your athlete monitoring system uh, could not be easier and more affordable. So if you want to get to know a little bit more about Hawking Dynamics or actually see their plates in action, Head over to the website, uh, which is hawkingdynamics.com, um, which you can I mean, you can also schedule a demo, and follow them on Twitter at hawkingdynamics. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by iMeasureU. So used by leading sports practitioners and biomechanics researchers worldwide to capture and compare multi-limb inertial data in the field. IMU Step from iMeasureU is a dual sensor and app lower limb load monitoring tool which helps practitioners optimize return to play for running based sports. So iMeasureU have just released their new and improved waterproof sensor Blue Trident which includes ultra high G capabilities to quantify high impact steps such as cutting, landing and sprinting, longer battery life to collect data all day, real-time feedback to aid immediate interventions and faster workflow so practitioners can review long training sessions within minutes of training completion. I Measure You, now part of Vicon, works with military, pro and collegiate coaches and athletes from around the world, including the Australian Institute of Sport, US Department of Defense and collegiate and pro teams from around the world. If you want to get to know more about I Measure You, head over to their website, imeasureyou.com or follow them on Twitter or Instagram at imeasureyou. So without further ado, over to the episode with Benoit de Laval. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Pace Performance Podcast this evening. I am delighted to welcome Benoit de Laval. So welcome to the podcast, Benoit. Good evening. Thank you very much for your invitation. It's a, a pleasure for me and an honor to, to be able to speak with you. Thank you very much for coming on. I think it's the, the closest a guest has been to where I live, given that you only live half an hour away. So it's, it's great to have you on, Benoit. And firstly, thank you to Martin Bouchet for making the introduction. So I make sure I give a thank you to Martin. And thank you, Martin. Absolutely. And I really appreciate you coming on and speaking in English, because I know English is not your first language. So I have so much respect for people that come on and speak in English when English isn't their first language. So thank you very much. Anyone that doesn't know who you are, Benoit, would you mind giving us a little bit of a background on you, uh, what you're currently doing at Leeds and what you've done previously? Yeah, of course. So my, my name is Benoit de Laval. I'm 37 years old. I'm married and I have two children. I was born in Lille. Um, Lille is one of the five biggest uh, cities in France. Uh, so that everyone can locate it, it uh, it's uh, two hours from Paris, one hour from Brussels, and 90 minutes from London by Eurostar. Um, I have always loved uh, sports and I have played uh, a lot. Of course, uh, football, but uh, also badminton, running, mountain biking, tennis. So I'm a big fan of uh, sports uh, in general. Um, I played soccer in a conference club when I was young and um, after the 1998 World Cup won by France, all the clubs uh, received a lot of requests from young people wanting to, to get into soccer. Uh, so because of this, uh, there, were, uh, there, there was uh, an increased need for coaches uh, to help with the uh, under seven, under eight, under nine teams in all the club. So I started uh, learning about coaching when I was 15 and uh, began my journey into the world of coaching in, uh, in soccer. Um, I did two courses at the same time, a federal one up to UFAA and uh, an university one up to two masters. When I started my university studies, I was interested to, to become a sports teacher. But uh, as I began to learn more about the, the field of sports science and strength and conditioning, my focus uh, began to change. And uh, it was clear for me that uh, I wanted to do a career in professional sports. Um, I joined Lille Academy in 2004 as a youth coach. Uh, but uh, three years later, I became uh, head of uh, fitness, fitness for the academy. And um, for a few years, I was both a coach and a fitness coach before taking the, the decision to focus only on being a fitness coach. Um, after spending um, almost 10 years with the academy, I moved to the first team in 2016. And in the summer uh, 2018, uh, two and a half years ago, yes, after 14 years at Lille, I signed uh, for Leeds United. And today I'm first team fitness coach and I coordinate, coordinate uh, the fitness department here at Leeds, which is uh, composed of three, four people. 
So um, I'm working with Tom Robinson. He's the first team uh, assistant fitness coach and sports scientist. Ruben Crespo, uh, first team uh, rehab fitness coach. Andy Jenkinson, first team nutritionist. And the first two years, we had uh, internships uh, with us, uh, assisting uh, on site at the training ground. But with the, the context, uh, it has not been possible this season. Uh, I work very closely with Rob Price, who is the head of the medical department and all the physiotherapy uh, staff. And of course, I work very closely with the technical staff. And uh, finally, I started back my university studies a, a few years ago. So I'm now also a, a PhD student, which is not easy to manage <laughs> with my daily job. That's great. Thank you very much, Benoit. It's, uh, that's really interesting. Your, your background coming from a, a coaching background. How important has that them coaching qualifications and even up to UA4A, how important has that been in your career as a fitness coach? Um, I think um, even more now uh, with the, the actual football, it's important to have uh, idea or knowledge about coaching when you are a fitness coach. But at the same time, when you are a coach, it's important to have a fitness background. So I think to have both is something very interesting, uh, even more at the moment. Excellent. Nice. It's something that comes up all the time in podcasts with with guests that I have on, especially recently. So it's really interesting to get your get your take on it. Um, tell us a little bit about your PhD, Benoit. Yeah, uh, no problem. Um, I think uh, to be better in my daily work, uh, I needed to open myself more to science. Uh, in my point of view, I can't be a good fitness coach or strength and conditioning coach if I'm distanced from the science and the research. And at the same time, it's very difficult to be a good researcher if you are not on field. So it's important to be connected to both worlds. So I started my doctorate four years ago. I'm attached to the faculty of Amiens. So it's one hour 30 close to my house in Lille. Um, as I'm not full-time on my thesis, I can request a one-year exemption every year for three years. So I will be doing my thesis across several years, but I find it important to pass my thesis when I'm in the high-level structure on a daily basis. In France, it's more difficult than in England to be at the same time in an elite club and in a university to pass a PhD. Um, my topic is recovery in football. So I started uh, in 2018 maybe with uh, by doing a survey of uh, elite fitness coaches, mainly in France, but I have some answers from England, Belgium, Germany and Spain to find out about current practices in terms of recovery strategies during congested period. Um, then we did uh, a study where we tested the impact of three strategies performed the day after the game on recovery kinetics. Uh, so we tested the 10 starter players in a range of different tests the day before a match. After the match, we kept only the players who had played the full game for the protocol and we retested them after the game 
on match day plus one, on match day plus two, and on match day plus three. Um, match day plus three is the day of the second game in a congested period. But after the match day plus one test, we did three groups. Rest, uh, 20 minute bike, 20 minute run. We did this to try to evaluate if running and or cycling has a negative impact on recoveries, uh, recovery kinetics. Um, the last two studies had uh, started the previous season, but we could not complete uh, them due to the pandemic. So we are in the process of reorienting the work. So now we have to finish, to analyze, to write, to publish. So I'm far away to the end of my thesis. When you say recovery kinetics, yes. what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Um, we have um, the, the baseline of the player the day before the game. Um, the game uh, affects the baseline of the player. So after the game, we are maybe at 80%, 70% of the, of the baseline. And usually in one, two, three days, according to the test, we are going back to our baseline. And the idea is to have a look if uh, biking or like cycling or running uh, has an impact. So if this helps to come back to our baseline quicker, or if biking and running has no effect at all, or if with a small activity like that on match day plus one, this affect has a negative impact on the recovery kinetics. It was a question. So at the moment, I can't say the response because we have to analyze everything. But uh, this is uh, this was the idea. Interesting. It'd be good to get you back on when this when that that's been done, and we can have a little chat about that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so what what was it like moving? from France, from Lille over to Leeds, like cult culturally, language, um, the, the club itself, Leeds United itself, what, what was that like for you and the rest of the staff, but you in particular? For me, it was a, an unbelievable opportunity uh, because I was born in Lille. Uh, I did all my studies in Lille. I worked uh, 14 years in Lille. Uh, so for me, it was a a step forward to, to move in a, in a great club like that, in a great country. Um, it was not easy at the beginning because my, my level in English was, uh, not very good. It's still not very good, but, uh, it is. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> not, it's not enough. Um, but, uh, for me, it was a, a very important step forward, uh, to, to move to, to England. And it's not, it's not only, uh, uh, my, my choice because I, I, I have family. So it's, uh, it's not only a professional step. It's a personal step as well. Interesting. And we were saying when we, when we spoke on the phone a few weeks ago that your family really like it here as well. Yeah. 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 We, we would like to stay in England. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. We would like to stay in England. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That's, that's, that's good to hear. So why, why was, why was Leeds United or why has Leeds United been such a great fit for you and the team philosophically versus when the, the, your staff were in, were in Lille? Um, 
I was fortunate to arrive in a massive club like like Leeds United with uh, an important uh, identity from a physical point of view. We knew um, how much the fans uh, appreciate and demand efforts uh, from the players. So I think um, it's a combination of factors. Everyone, uh, club and players, worked uh, a lot from the start to progress, to develop, to evolve in all the, the sectors in which uh, we could do it. And uh, the English culture and mentality have uh, helped us, us uh, a lot because uh, the culture of the, of the body and the work are very developed here, maybe more than in France. Uh, and uh, involvement, respect, uh, listening are essential basis for personal and collective progress. And uh, the confidence of the player in the development process was perfect from the start, uh, which uh, facilitated the, the daily progress. So when we combine all these things together, they match up with uh, our approach to, to work. How important has it been for the the players to really buy in to your philosophy as a as a as a coaching staff and to to give themselves to you to to be guided and and learn? Um, I don't know if if we have to say philosophy. Um, I prefer to to say or to talk about uh, ideas, concepts, tools, maybe. Um, what is certain is that work is very important. This is uh, the most important thing. Of course, in quantity, uh, because we work a lot, but also in quality. Even more in quality now, because the gains are smaller in the third year. Uh, so we are now working more on details. So uh, we work uh, every single day in the gym and on field. Um, to explain a little bit, I will uh, take a, a, an example. Coles uh, published a study in 2017 with uh, an injury prevention pyramid that I really like. And this pyramid provides us uh, with a clear way to structure our work. Um, we can see on it uh, several floors uh, so from the from the bottom to the to the top, the first one is uh, the bottom one is uh, player uh, recruitment. So this is an area that uh, the fitness staff has very little input in. Uh, I know that some clubs ask for some advice from fitness staff when looking at players, but mostly they are not uh, included. And the the second step or the second floor is load monitoring. After its athletic development, after its movement efficiency, after its injury prevention program, injury assessment and rehab, and finally at the top is luck. So this is very important for me, and we have here in this pyramid almost everything. So depending on the context, uh, the time of the year, of year, the category, academy or first team uh, of the structure in which we work the different floors are more or less wide, so the order of the floors could change. 
but I really like this uh, holistic approach. Um, going back to the pyramid about the luck, uh, we, we have a famous uh, sentence in, in France from Louis Pasteur, who said, la chance favorise les esprits préparés, mm -hmm. which means chance favors the prepared mind. I think we can use it in life, in sports, and of course it, in football. Uh, in US, they have the same kind of sentence. The harder you work, the luckier you get. So for the last floor, the last step, this is what I think. So all these floors uh, require a lot of knowledge, experience, planning, and communication from the players, from all the staff, medical staff, technical staff, fitness staff, and the club. So I think with this, we have our work. So with that, with that bottom layer, Benoit, which is the recruitment, yeah, is this something you don't have to go into any details with, with specifically with with the players that you're working with? But is that something that you've you've got an, your opinion matters on when it comes to recruitment from a fitness point of view? Sometimes it, it's. It depends. Sometimes yes, sometimes not at all. Okay. It's yeah. very variable. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So Benoit, I just want to move on to your ideas around getting players fit, getting players conditioned for the season. And the first time that I watched you guys in a the full 90 minutes was against Liverpool in the first game of this season. I think it blew the country by storm. Took the country by storm by how fit your players were. So what does pre-season look like for, for you guys? And what are your ideas around the pre-season schedule to get the players as fit as possible, as conditioned as possible for the season coming up? Okay. Um, I really like this, this question, uh, even more so because I get asked it a lot. Um, I think we have to adapt the work of pre-season to the context in which we are working. Um, this period is dedicated to training and adaptations, but we have to adapt our work to the context. Usually, we have five weeks uh, before the first competition week uh, to work with the player and, and the team. Uh, so before our arrival in Leeds, the players had seven weeks holidays and we were unable to manage the off-season program because it had been done by the previous staff. So we started at the end of June and we were very progressive because it was a new methodology for the players. For the second pre-season, the players had five weeks of holidays from the loss in the playoff semi-final to the end of June. So less time for vacation, but we still had to organize an off-season program that allowed both mental and physical recovery, but also preparation to resume the next season in the best condition. And we knew that in week four of preparation, we were going to Australia for a 10-day trip. So we put what we wanted into the off-season program because we knew we were going to lose 10 days. After an international trip like this one in Australia, 
we have to give two, three days off for the players to recover. So finally, a 10 day trip or training camp means two weeks, uh, disruptions. So we progressed, uh, onto the more high intensity work faster than normal because we had to adapt to the context of the situation. And the third preseason was different as well. We finished the championship season at the end of July. Uh, the players had three weeks of vacation. We started in mid-August, but we knew that at the end of August, we were going to lose all the international players, approximately 10 of our first team squad, and that they would be back two, three days before the first Premier League game against Liverpool. So in three seasons, in the same club, with the same staff, we did three completely different pre-season. This is the first time for me. <laughs> so if if you had if you had an ideal pre-season, what would it if like this one coming up maybe, hopefully, what would it look like for you? What's your ideas around an ideal pre-season? My my idea is to have five weeks before the the week with the first game. So finally six weeks but five weeks of pre-season because the last week is the week to prepare the first uh, Premier League game or the first championship game. In these five weeks, the, what is important is how many weeks off they are going to have. Uh, because in France, sometimes we have four weeks. In England, in championship, you can finish the championship the 3rd of May and restart the 25th of June, seven weeks. It's not the same if you have seven weeks or if you have three weeks. So we have to adapt to the context. But the classic one, if we have five weeks uh, pre-season after maybe four or five weeks of vacation, is to have two, three weeks progressive to arrive uh, with uh, more intensity, more sprints, more axles, more decels in the week two or in the week three. Um, and to start the week four or end of week three with uh, friendlies uh, to give uh, 90 minutes at least three times for all the players uh, before the first uh, the first game. But it's, it's very difficult because we have to adapt to the context. And if it's a second season, it's not the same as it's the first season in a club. Uh, if we have four weeks vacation, it's not the same that if we have seven weeks. So it's so difficult to put uh, on the paper uh, an ideal pre-season uh, without knowing the context. I'd like to know about your, your the, the planning and the periodization, how much data informs what you do. And you mentioned about the, the hierarchy and the, the load monitoring. And and Tom maybe is probably your guy. Tom Robinson probably your guy for this this area. Yeah. But how much does his work and the data side of things drive what you do from a fitness point of view? Okay. Um, first of all, for 10, 15 years, we have had more data every day. So our job is to help the technical staff make uh, decisions. So it's important to be careful with all the data we have. We have to find the signal in the noise. The noise is all the data we have every single day. 
and the signal is the conclusion we reach when we analyze the data well. So this conclusion is to help the technical staff to make decisions. I'm very lucky to have a sports scientist with me, Tom Robinson, who helps me a lot on a daily basis. In France, for example, uh, I don't know how many clubs uh, have a, a fit uh, sports scientist uh, inside the, the club, but it's not like in England. Uh, in England, it's a very job and a very important job. Um, for me, the, the, key, the key is to find the, the right balance because we have to collect, to organize, to analyze a lot of data, maybe too much data finally. Uh, but I think we can't be uh, too data driven, uh, but we have to use the data, the data uh, wisely. So for the training, uh, we use the GPS data uh, to manage the training load every day, every single day. Uh, for the game, we use the GPS to analyze from an individual point of view and team performance perspective. But we also use Second Spectrum, the tracking system provided by Premier League, uh, to analyze our own performance and the opposition. So we collect a lot uh, of data from the GPS, of course. Uh, we also use a wellness questionnaire uh, twice a week, uh, very often, to, to, to have an idea to monitor the players. So we, we use the data, but the, the thing is, to find the good balance uh, with all the data we have. Given that the, the amount of data has increased so much, like you say, over the last 10 or 15 years, how has the, and again, you don't have to go into specific details, but how have the coaching staff adapted to that increase in data and how they've changed, if, if they have changed, how they do things given the fact that they have a lot of numbers now, unlike you say, maybe too many? Maybe, yes, too many. Um, it's, it's new for the, the staff, maybe not now, but uh, 15 years ago, we had uh, almost nothing. And now we have a, a lot of things to it. Our job to, to help and to convince maybe sometime uh, the staff um, to look uh, to the data. Sometimes it's easy when we have uh, a staff with uh, open mind uh, or yeah, a staff open in, in science and in data. Sometimes it's more difficult. But uh, it's uh, the staff are find an in, in interest if we can help them to to build a session, to build a week, uh, or to to structure a little bit more our week. Yeah. So if you haven't downloaded the Pacey Performance Performance Staff Survey, where I surveyed 138 people in British football about their salary, their education, experience, how many internships they had make sure you do it's a free download on the strength of science website so it's a free download where you can get a real insight into what it's like out there in professional football professional soccer here in the uk so if you're looking to get into the industry hopefully it gives you a real insight and, and you can go in eyes wide open so if you haven't checked that out make sure you do but the part two great part two coming up with benoit
This episode of the Pace of Performance podcast is sponsored by Output Sports, the Swiss Army knife for athlete performance. So to celebrate their first year in business, after eight years of research, Output have just launched a Black Friday sale. So for the first 25 Pacey Performance listeners and followers, to use the code PACEY25, you can subscribe to their bronze package with a 25% discount until December the 1st, 2020. This will get you access to an Output IMU, all their measurement modules, VBT, Power, Wellness, RSI, Nordics, strength endurance, mobility, and more, plus access to their AMS, the Output Hub. So check it out today to bring a new level of portability, practicality, and efficiency to your athletes' testing and tracking processes. So you can learn more about Output on OutputSports.com or follow them on social media at Output Sports where you can schedule a demo. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Fusion Sport. Fusion Sport is a global leader in human performance solutions for elite sport, military and workplace health. Fusion Sport's data management and analytics platform Smarterbase is designed to provide elite human performance organizations with a one-stop shop solution for the holistic performance management of their teams. Highly configurable and capable of allowing the integration of other systems and wearables into its operations, Smarterbase enables organizations to capture, manage, analyze, report, and share data across the whole organization. When you adopt the Smarterbase human performance platform, you're choosing more than just a product, you're choosing a technology partner and a team of consultants who have worked with some of the most elite performance organizations. Smarterbase is trusted by the world's best in human performance, including the National Basketball Association, the NBA, the LA Lakers, US Special Operations Command, the Australian Institute of Sport, and US Soccer. So visit fusionsport.com forward slash smarterbase to learn more about how smarterbase can help turn your data into a winning advantage. This episode is also sponsored by Omega Wave, which is the only non-invasive, at-rest technology on the market that analyzes readiness to train via both brain and cardiac analysis. So using DC Potential and HRV to understand your brain's energy level and autonomic nervous system balance allows you to use objective data on recovery and readiness that in turn helps you to truly individualize your training and this optimize performance. Omega Wave also measures ECG from the V6 position and this data can be used by the medical profession to check cardiac health on a frequent basis. The measurement only takes four minutes to perform and results are visualized in an intuitive way thanks to our Windows of Trainability concept. Omega Wave is used by hundreds of elite sport athletes, military and law enforcement agencies. They are also an official partner of the UFC Performance Institute. So to learn more about Omega Wave, visit their website omegawave.com or visit their social media channels. On on the the question of small-sided games, Small-sided games often comes up in conversation, especially with, with team sport people in, in football, in, in soccer. And people seem to be using more and more small-sided games and been manipulating them um, cleverly. But from the conversations that we've had before, small-sided games maybe don't play a big, a, super, a really big part in your programming. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. it's right. Yeah. Um, we don't use uh, small-sided games uh, very often in our training weeks. Uh, sometimes for the substitute players on, on match day plus one or match day plus two. 
or for a player uh, returning from injury, we prefer to, to use uh, 11 versus 11 in our methodology. But uh, I think we will cover this uh, topic uh, later. Yeah, cool. We can get into that. Yeah. So uh, while, while we're here, Benoit, do, are you, is it okay to get into that now? Yeah. About 11 v 11? So, so what is the thinking behind doing more 11 v 11 versus small-sided games? Because we we play uh, at least uh, once a week, uh, 11 versus 11. So we try to train in the most uh, specific way. Uh, so we try to train uh, as soon as possible or at least once a week, uh, 11 versus 11. So if we have, for example, 10 players available, we will prefer to use uh, the under 23 to do uh, 11 versus 11 with the under 23 than uh, 5 versus 5 with only the first team players. One, th one thing that anyone who has watched Leeds this season will really have no taken note of the, the intensity that you guys work at is... Is the 11 v 11 and the, the, the frequency that you use the 11 v 11s, is that one reason why you're able to maintain that intensity throughout the game? Mm, I think yes, but it's not only this reason. It's um, one more time a combination of a lot of factors. So this 11 11 is one uh, of the factors. But it's not um, the the only one. Um, to to try to explain a little bit about uh, uh, the intensity, uh, it's important uh, for us to differentiate uh, our first two seasons of championship, where we played uh, exactly 100 official matches, 51 the first year and 49 the second year with this season in Premier League, where we will play only, only 40 matches. So once again, uh, it's a matter of balance and control. The balance between work and recovery is not the same in the championship and in the Premier League. In the championship, our calendar looked like a team playing in a European competition because we had congested period all year. In Premier League, we have fewer congested periods, so it's not the same balance. So we practice when we can train. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not so easy. We move uh, a lot the, the volume and duration of training, but less the intensity, because we try to keep a high intensity as soon as we are on field. Um, in gym, we always, for example, in gym, uh, it's the same, but with, with groups. So we have always uh, some groups, some work groups in gym. A group with the players who played a good part of the last match or, a full, or the full game. A group with all the substitutes uh, who have less playing time. And a group with players who have an individual program. Uh, specific need, goalkeepers, return from injury, uh, specific uh, or special workload. 
so to simplify, we will say that we have 20 players. Sometimes it's uh, 10 players in the first group, eight in the second, two with specific uh, individual program. But sometimes it's six, six, eight. It depends. But on field, uh, it's the same. But when we play one game a week um, at the end of each week, everyone has pretty much the same schedule from match day minus four. So the important for us is to to work and to manipulate volume and duration, but to keep intensity uh, as soon as we are on field. I think one thing that everyone likes to talk about when it comes to leads is, is murder ball. And I know it's maybe something that we won't go into loads of detail, but can you give us a, li a little bit of detail on what it is, how it fits into the ideology, how it thinks it fits into the methodology of, of you and the, 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 the coaching staff? I don't know where that term uh, <laughs> comes from, who invented it and when it came out. So it wasn't you, Ben. It wasn't you guys. It didn't come from you. <laughs> I have no idea. But I f I find it funny, and it now is. and now I use it when I talk with the players. Okay. But um, nine times out of ten, it's an eleven versus eleven on full pitch. So all the clubs in the world are doing this every week. Um, just some data. Uh, since the start of the season. Our Premier League matches have lasted an average of 96 minutes. But the average effective playing time is 54 minutes, which represents 56%. In a murder ball, we try to have an effective playing time equal to the time of the period. So we play the throw-ins quickly. There is very little free kick, no corner. For this reason, the intensity is high. These periods are intense, but it's just an 11 versus 11 all over the pitch, 9 out of 10. So do you, again, just going back to the data, do you try to use the data and the, the intensity of games to try to replicate by speeding things up? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we look the, the data uh, very every day. And uh, we use it to, to, to monitor and to, to organize the session. So we have a lot of data from the game for the GPS, for second spectrum. Uh, but this is very interesting because finally, we, our game, it's only 54 minutes. This is nothing if you say that a game is 96 minutes. So when we have a session with uh, 25 minutes effective time, you, we know that we have uh, done half a game in our session. So, yeah, we use, uh, all the data we have to try to, to prepare the, the session and to, 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 to guide our session. Yeah. Why do you think it's become such a talking point if other clubs are doing it? How have you, how have you made it so popular? I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know, but I yes. really don't know. Okay, no, that's, that's it's super interesting. It's it's really interesting. I'd love to know who made that up, if it wasn't you guys. That's Let me great. know when you know. I will. I <laughs> certainly will. I certainly will. So just going back to your PhD and the recovery side of things, again, 
what's something that you're known for? Incredibly high intensity um, methodology, ideology. How do you enable your players to to get to recover, to then go again, to recover and go again? Um, first of all, I would like to say that recovery strategies are easier to implement in Leeds than in Lille for two main reasons. The first is that in France, in the 19 away games in my last season in Lille, we traveled 17 times by plane. Here, we travel by plane twice when we play Brighton and Southampton. So we come back with our bus, which has a kitchen at the back. So it's easier for the, pat- the, the post-match meal. This avoids ordering uh, takeaways like uh, <laughs> pizzas, uh, which may hit uh, a calorie goal, but with much less quality than we can provide from our own chefs. Um, we control the quality and the quantity, and our players choose uh, what uh, they want to hit. And for me, a bus is more comfortable than a plane. Then, during my last season in France, we played 66% of matches at 7 p.m. or after. Sometimes it was at 9 p.m. This year in Premier League, it's 33% at 3 p.m. or before, 33% between 3 p.m. and an evening kickoff, and 33% at 7 p.m. or after. So we don't have the same sleep problems as I could have in France, where we get home very often after midnight and sometime at 2, 3, 4 a.m. So it's easier in Leeds than in Lille. Um, in 2015, Grégory Dupont and his collaborators published a, in Aspetar Sports Medicine Journal an example of a practical recovery protocol based on scientific evidence. So we try to formulate an evidence-based and useful protocol for the players to help them to perform as best as possible. Um, nutrition strategies, diet and hydration, are managed by Andy Jenkinson, our nutritionist, in the locker room for home games and uh, in the locker room and on the bus for away games. Regarding the compression garments, uh, it's important, the players are independent and uh, put them on after the shower. So this is very, very easy. Regarding cold water immersion, we use it when we play twice a week with a classic protocol of 10 minutes at 10 degrees. Uh, we have a permanent uh, cold bath in the home dressing room and we use uh, plastic uh, bins for the away games. We use a plastic swimming pool in Lille, so it's uh, <laughs> something very easy. And regarding uh, sleep, uh, as I said, it's easier uh, than in France. We have uh, less uh, late night matches, so it's much easier. Do you do anything to track sleep? No, unfortunately, no, uh, because... Um, I used uh, Actigraph um, in France, but it's not very comfortable. And maybe we need someone in full time to analyze the data. Uh, now we are using uh, the ring, Oura. I don't know if yeah. you, you know this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oura ring. So I'm, I have one f- maybe from one month or two months. I don't know exactly. So I use it, but it's not 
uh, easy at the moment because we don't have a system to collect the data of the player in one laptop. So if I, I have my data on my phone, if I give a ring for a player, he will have his data on his phone. But at the moment, we can't have a software or a platform to collect the 20 players at the same time to have uh, all the squad uh, in the same area. So it's not uh, easy. But I would like to to work uh, more uh, with sleeps, but it's not so easy to to organize. Or we need maybe one more person, and it's it's not it's not easy. So Aura Ring don't have a, a team solution; it's all individual solutions. Maybe, but uh, I'm not sure. So we are speaking, we are trying the system, uh, we are thinking about it, but. Um, we we should progress on it uh, soon, but at the moment uh, it's not maybe so easy. Yep. I'm just going to go back a step, Benoit, because I wanted to ask you something about training in season before I forget, because I, I need to ask you, and that's non non football specific work to keep players conditioned, and by that I mean running. And is that something that you use quite a lot so conditioning without the ball in season to keep again to keep that maintain maintain fitness but also keep that intensity high um on a saturday um if you say uh without ball if you mean uh running sometimes once a week uh, at the maximum but if you say gym every single day so, yes, this is like that. Gym every day. Yep. So, are you all right to talk, us, talk to us about your, your philosophy when it comes to gym work and how you've integrated what you did at Lille into, into, into Leeds? Or is it something that's changed because of the cultural differences that we've talked about already? Um, that'd be really, that'd be super, super interesting. Um, we, I don't uh, change too much between. Uh, Lille and Leeds. Um, what changed is that now I'm working with a rehab fitness coach, Ruben Crespo. Um, so he doesn't have the same way to think because he's Spanish. So it's another philosophy. I'm French, so I have another philosophy and we are in England working with a different <laughs> culture. So we combine everything to create our methodology um, so it's a, a mix with everything so um, yeah it's, it's it's not so different but there is uh, some some differences yes did did Ruben come with you from Lille or was he already here no no he arrived at the same time but uh, uh, I I met him uh, when I arrived uh, in Lille in Leeds Sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. So in terms of the work that you do in the gym, can you give us a little bit of an insight into into what that potentially looks like, given that you're in there every day with the guys? Okay. Um, which topic uh, first? The strength, power, prevention. What do you prefer? Let's go with, let's go with the strength stuff. Let's go with the, the, the thing that people care about. Yeah. 
So strength and power first and, and prevention after, if you want. Let's do that. Let's yeah. do that order. Absolutely. Okay, okay perfect. Um, strength and power are um, present every week in our methodology. Um, we played, for example, we played eight Premier League uh, games between January 26th and February 27th. So we train very little for some players during this period. So during this period, for example, there was not too much space for new training programs uh, adaptations. On the other hand, we only played three matches in March. So we train regularly. So one more time, we have to adapt the work in the period, in the context. But in a normal week, um, a normal week is a week with one game per week at the end of the week. Uh, when it's Saturday, Saturday, it's easier, but sometimes it's Saturday, Sunday, sometimes it's Sunday, Saturday, but a normal week is one game per week at the end of the week. We do one strength session and one power session per week. Regarding strength, it's very often the first day of the week for players who have not played or played a little bit. And we do it on match day plus three for players who have played a lot. Regarding power, it's more variable than the strength because we can do it indoor or on field. Sometimes we do it with equipment, bungees, uh, run rockets, uphill, and sometimes we do it without equipment to have a more SAQ session. So in the same way that we can vary the power stimulus depending on the type of session we do, we can also vary when we do it. But this work has a very important place in our training programs. Do you try to match up what's going on on the field technically and well technically with what you do in the gym for instance on a strength day do you specifically do certain things on the field that complement that? Yeah we we, we know um, how we train we know how we play so it's important for us to match uh, the gym session with our way to train and to play. So yes, of course. Okay. And the next is injury prevention. Talk um, us through that. So um, I'm very close uh, to Ruben Crespo uh, because uh, uh, we talk all the time together to, to, to set up the daily work and the injury prevention program. So we try to work on all the lower body at least uh, once a week when we are not playing uh, midweek of course but we also do core and balance proprioception once a week uh, to give a few data figures uh, our injury incidence is a bit higher this season than the previous two years but uh, moderate injuries so from 8 to 28 days decreased by 10% between the first and the third year. And uh, in the first season, we had more than 10 major injuries, so more than 28 days, while we have had one, only one, uh, this season so far. Uh, finger crossed for the seven games. <laughs> um, <coughs> sorry. In the first season, 
Injuries resulting in a player missing at least one game represents 75%, while this season it's less than 40%. So our injury burden has fallen sharply. This is important. Our first uh, Premier League season is less dense uh, than the previous two, uh, than I said before, especially since we lost in the first round of the two cups and we know that the injury risk is much higher when we play twice a week compared with just one. But we also know that we will unfortunately ha always have a, a risk of injury and that sometimes there is not uh, explanation, reasonable explanation uh, to have uh, injuries because it's so multifactorial. So it's very difficult to, to generalize. We always try to find a big reason when we have injuries, but uh, that is not the right way to think in my point of view. We have to try to understand the individual situation on, of each players. We must stay away from generalizations because injuries are so uh, difficult to control or very difficult to, to control. Sometimes we can do everything well and still have uh, injuries. To do a, a link with the game, it's exactly the same in the play. Expected goals are a good example. We can finish a game with two points difference in expected goal, but uh, having lost the game, or the opposite. And our last game is the perfect example. But we know this can happen in football, and we experienced uh, this a lot the first two seasons. Sometimes we, the training sessions can go perfectly. The GPS data is good, the workload is what we want, the injury prevention program is uh, going as a plan, and we get uh, a muscle injury. There is There are uh, things uh, we cannot control. So many times, many times, we work uh, in the same way uh, two years or two seasons in a row, one year we have few injuries and the second year we have five times more injuries without a reasonable explanation. So it's very difficult to control, to manage, to organize, to plan. But our job is to, to, to put uh, injury prevention program. So we work on it every week. Uh, sometimes we are lucky, more lucky, sometimes uh, not. Um, but we, we try to think about uh, uh, injury. We think about injury every, every single day, every hour maybe, when we are in the training center. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that particularly important for you because you do keep this, you do keep quite a small squad, like you mentioned, the 20 players? I said 20 players. Uh, as an example, we have, uh, uh, I don't know exactly how many players. Uh, we have already used, um, but we we work with uh, yeah, almost 22 players because we have two teams. But after we have the under 23 to to support uh, the first team, so we have more than 20 players. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Benoit. I think that's a that's a nice uh, that's a nice place for us to finish. But is there anywhere people can? Get a little bit more information on your research that's potentially coming out, or even the, the some of the research that you've that you've mentioned already that has come out, the survey and, and things like that. Is there a place where people can do that? 
with, with, with your work? Yeah, maybe uh, for my work, it's too early because we have to, to publish uh, everything. So it's uh, too early. Uh, but uh, yes, I'm... Uh, not very active on social media, but uh, I have uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. So I think it's uh, here that uh, yeah, here I'm. I can be in touch with uh, anyone. I'm not very fast to to respond, but uh, I try to to respond to everyone. So yeah, this is uh, the easier. Um. So yes, this is the easier. Perfect. Well, thank you, Benoit. Like I say, I have so much respect for people that come on podcasts and, and talk when English is not their first language. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for coming on and, and, and telling us about your time at your time in Lille, but also your, your time at Leeds as well. And a great result of the weekend and good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you again very much for this chat. It was a, a pleasure for me. And I look forward to seeing you at Torparch. Uh, to chat uh, in person as soon as we can yes thank you very much benoit well stick around we'll have a little chat after but officially i will uh, i'll say thank you very much and and see you soon thank you very much see you soon thank you bye thanks for tuning in to episode 344 of the pacey performance podcast i hope you enjoyed the chat with benoit like i say at the start it was an absolute pleasure to get benoit on given the hype and sort of mystique around Leeds United and uh, and also the manager and the coaching staff at the football club so it was an absolute delight to get him on and have a little chat around all the things that we dived into so big thanks to Hawking Dynamics to I Measure You Fusion Sport Omega Wave and Output Sports for sponsoring this episode today the podcast could not run in its current form without these guys, so I really, really do appreciate your support. But I also appreciate your support for tuning in week after week and hopefully enjoying the Pacey Performance Podcast. <laughs>